Welcome to episode 29 of Coffee and Code Read, your source for all things literary, with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there is nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Catherine. Um, so today we're gonna sort of, I'm not gonna say veer off of our intro topic of like books and stuff like that, but we're actually gonna tackle tattoos today, um, because both of us have several fandom slash like book TV show, whatever, based tattoos. Mm -hmm. So we're just gonna talk about them today, because who doesn't like a good tattoo? (laughs) True. Um, so I'm going to be a bit loose with the term fandom since I surprisingly don't have any book related tattoos yet. (laughs) Um, but we did discuss it a bit last week that we both have tattoos for Supernatural and we actually got those together because we cute as fuck. Yeah. True story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also back to last week, kind of, I have a, I have a pineapple tattoo for the show Psych. And so good so good that's how much I love it <laughs> but it's also like it's so unassuming like the pineapple like it's not something you would immediately like oh you have a pineapple because you like psych it's like no you can have a pineapple for a million <laughs> different reasons and if you have not watched the show you should uh, mm-hmm. if you have watched the show you know that there is an easter egg in that every single episode of the show psych has a pineapple in it somewhere sometimes more hidden than others but they always always put a pineapple in there so it's very smart on your part yeah it is super cute but I did find out later on that apparently an upside down pineapple is a symbol for swingers (laughs) luckily my pineapple is not upside down but but if I put my hand up my pineapple is upside down (laughs) So I keep that hand firmly down. <laughs> that's not something I was aware of. Yeah. So just a heads up. That's a, that's <laughs> apparently a thing. Um, anyway. Great. Uh, I also have three band related tattoos. So I have lyrics for, from a Matthew Good band song and lyrics from the band Moist. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they're they're a '90s band that I'm in love with. Yeah, but- I remember because we went to go see them together. We went to a concert. We traveled on an airplane <laughs> and stayed in a hotel in the 2000s, like the 2010s, in fact. Yes, they got we- back together for a short period of time, and I was like, need to go. So now we, went. we, we did. We did. They were they were not popular anymore (laughs) it was very empty but we were there (laughs) it was very although it was good though oh it was really good I made my life it's fine I think I got I got the tattoo afterwards so it's not like it ruined them for me or anything but (laughs) their name is legitimately moist and it's not great it's a terrible word (laughs) David Usher for those of you that uh like he also had a solo career so yes yeah um I do have another band tattoo, but I actually just remembered I do have a book-related tattoo that I completely forgot about. But 
anyway, the other band is a band called Bad Flower. I have a flower for them. Um, That's nice. Is it a bad flower? It is a bad flower. Or is it a good flower? It's a bad flower. No, that's the wrong. That's the wrong. Oh, no, it's right there. <laughs> it's, a but, um, black, it's a black daisy. So it's the opposite of what it should be. Bad. Um, that was anyway. my dad joke. That was. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> so now we'll, <laughs> I have... Um, I have Sirius Black's um, like little right. placard from the. It's I guess it's from the movie. It's not actually in the books of Harry Potter. Um, it's the one from the third movie that he's holding and all the signs. Um, I have that on uh, on my sternum, but I completely forgot about it <laughs> until right it's, that second. It's because you're obsessed with Sirius Black and you want to make him the father of your children. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very in love with him. Um, he was my favorite character from the books. So, and I know it wasn't a book thing, but there wasn't a whole lot like other than like a black dog or like a constellation yeah. or something, which I could have done. But anyway, I thought the plaque was cool, so I got that instead. Yeah, um, yeah it's his like it's his prison number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so these ones are a bit more unorthodox for fandoms, but I do have a pie tattoo for math. You know, because you're cool AF. Very cool. Have a math degree. Got a math tattoo. Just pushed up my glasses. Um, I have three beer-related tattoos. Um, two of them are logos. One is a shark, which is I a mean, logo for a beer, but it's also on brand. <laughs> did you get it for the sharkness of it, or did you get Both. It? I like the beer, and I love sharks, so it was like a double whammy. I was mm. like, um, one is a... One is a horse, but it's very, it's very much part of where we're from. Yeah. That's what I'll say on that. Yeah. Um, and the other one is just like hops, like what goes in beers. And then I have seven or eight shark tattoos because I think sharks are a fandom and I'm obsessed with them. You are. <laughs> what about you? What tattoos do you have related to fandoms? I love that we just brush over the fact that you're obsessed with sharks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just obsessed with sharks. It's fine. I know. I'm like, I listed like seven, eight totals, total tattoos. And then I'm like, and then I have seven or eight more that are just sharks. <laughs> NBD though. It's that's completely fine. normal. It's fine. They're almost the kings of the sea. Aww. <laughs> uh, anyway. So I obviously don't have as many as you. Uh, I don't know why. I just, I don't know. Uh, but my very first tattoo, I got the Deathly Hallows for Harry Potter right behind my uh, right ear, I think. I don't remember. Looks like it. Where you're pointing to is your right ear. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I can't actually remember <laughs> if it's the right ear or the left. Because you can't see it. It's such a hard spot. It is. I also have the Supernatural tattoo on my back. I also have an Akatar tattoo, like is was really my first like real big piece, I guess I'll say. Um it's really an Akamath tattoo, like it's Akatar number two, A Court of Mist and Fury. It's more based on that book than it is on uh, Akatar. Mm. I've said before that, like the second one is probably my favorite one. So, um, so yeah, so it's like a tattooed hand, uh, sort of reaching into a framed, um, 
landscape of like three mountains against the night sky and like the night sky is all twinkly and um and then there's like ivy curling around the frame so Mm. and it's like a really big it's like a decently big piece on my leg like my entire side of my upper leg Mm. um and then I actually just had a consultation last week for my next one um it's gonna be I want it to be based just on my love of reading in general. Like I don't want it book mm-hmm. specific. Uh, so it's going to be an open book with lots of color. And then she's going to design like um, a lot of fantasy elements, like sort of pouring out of the book or like escaping the book. Yeah. Love it. It's going to be cool. And I'm sort of giving my tattoo artist a bit of free reign. Like we looked at a couple things and she took down some of my ideas um, and like we looked at some pictures and she like wrote down what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, but I'm sort of giving her a bit more free reign with this one. So I'm excited. Um, and exciting. I think it's going to go on my forearm. I'm still like, do I want it on my forearm or my upper arm? I haven't decided, but I will say that tattoos are super addictive and like, <laughs> it's so funny like they're such a big deal before you have one you know what I mean yeah. like and then you get the first one and then you're like oh it's not as big a deal as I thought it would be and then you get a second one you're like oh yeah this is nothing and then you start to get more and more and more and more like yeah and then one day you look down and you're like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you're completely covered so yeah. and I will say like I was decently like, in general, I'm decently body conscious. I think, like, as women in our society, we are all sort of conditioned to be slightly body conscious. And I mm. find that having the tattoos, especially on my legs, which is sort of my most body conscious area, actually makes me mm-hmm. more confident. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, it, I don't know. It just yeah. makes me, I don't know why, and and maybe this sounds shallow, but it just makes me feel, like, pretty. Well, you you love the tattoos so much, or you wouldn't have gotten them, one would yeah. assume. So, like, it, it, it makes you love an area that maybe you didn't love as much before. And I I love them so much for that. Yeah. Like, when you don't want to wear shorts yes. and you're like, but then you can see these beautiful exactly. tattoos. Exactly. 100%. That's it. Like, realistically, mm-hmm. for me, shorts, not that I didn't wear them, but that they were, like, I was really body conscious, especially about shorts. Mm-hmm. And, like, the tattoos, I find they really help. I do have another one on the other side of my leg that's not a fandom, but it's still sort of in your shark realm. I've got an orca whale because I love them the most it can be a fandom i can make it a fandom um so i have a huge orca whale on the other side of my thigh so i'm not just going like i'm going around with like it's just an extra way to show off even more like show off both legs so yeah i love it anyway uh a little bit off topic but if you guys have any tattoos like share them with us please we love we love to see them So I guess we'll get right into it. Um, Just a heads up, as always, we're not a spoiler-free zone, and things might get a little saucy if they haven't already. I don't think we've had too much sass so far in our first couple of weeks of this book. This, No, I find this book relatively tame in sass. 
It is. It's a. Uh, it's definitely a slow roll. Yeah, slow slow burn. Yeah. Uh, just as a side, I uh, just finished uh, a book, and. I was really expecting it to be a lot more sassy than it actually was. Like, so it's called um, Zodiac Academy. Mm. And so I read it and I read the synopsis and it was like, uh, it is like a fae based book and the fae all like, it's like the, the synopsis of the book was like the two twins uh, you know, have been accepted into this academy. Everybody takes what they want if they have the power to take it. And like all the ad, like all the reviews and stuff for it made it seem like it was going to be really like dark, really edgy, like really sexy. And I was like low key, really excited for some like for some sass and some sexy times. And there was not like barely anything at all. Like, really? in terms of sexy times, there was, like, nothing. There was one, uh, like, digit, digit moment. Oh, penetration. Thank <laughs> digit penetration. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. Sorry. One digit uh, penetration <laughs> moment. And that's it for the whole book. And I was really disappointed. Yeah, I've heard that, I, I'm guessing... Because there's a lot more. I haven't read it yet, but there's a lot more books in the series. But I've heard that the rest, I guess maybe the rest of it gets there. Because I, I thought that it was very spicy. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm, that could just be. No, you're right. There's seven more books, only six of which are out. The last one's supposed to come out this December. So I'm hoping oh, okay. once I get a bit more into it, I'll get some more sass. I also just finished Neon Gods. Uh, that one was mm. decently decently spicy but oh my god did they yeah. ever have sex a lot <laughs> like all you think of the same thing with like there's a few other books that I've read this summer same thing it's like <laughs> it's like they have so much friggin' sex it's like there's no way that that girl would not have a UTI yeah that's the Kindle Unlimited <laughs> for you <laughs> but like Remember, I sent you, uh, sorry guys, I know we're getting off topic, but I sent Catherine, <laughs> I found a book. Sometimes, like, you know how the, maybe no one else gets these and maybe I get them because I've, I've downloaded them in the past. You get these, like, crappy reader uh, apps, like Radish mm -hmm. and like, like crappy yeah. stuff like that. So... They usually come up on Facebook and it's like, they've stolen yes. the artwork for it. <laughs> oh, guaranteed. So sometimes like if a story, like if they advertise a story to me, it sounds ridiculous. I'll just read, I'll just click on it just to see what happens. And then I end up spending $40 reading a really bad book, <laughs> which, which is what happened. And what was it called? Like four alpha twin, four alpha, <laughs> four alpha, something like that and four alpha mates or something and it was literally about yeah. this girl werewolf who had quadruplets four brothers they were all her mates and they just had like they were, her they brothers? were all brothers with and her no they weren't her brothers oh okay <laughs> I thought, I, 
Jesus Christ. No, I'm not into incest. Oh, well, I mean, I guess it's sort of still incest. <laughs> but, like, they it literally just had, like, I'm not going to call them orgies because the guys never did it with each other. But they... Because incest. incest. <laughs> but they literally had, like, giant sex times. And, like, she would be, mm-hmm. like, one guy would be inserting from the front another guy would be inserting from behind another guy would be rubbing her clit with his fingers and like the other guy would be like squeezing her boobs and that was how they had sex all the time and then sometimes the guy like a one of the guys sometimes she'd be like giving a guy a hand job or a blow job during this whole and i'm like how <laughs> like i don't understand how then, like, a, one of the guys would finish, and then another guy would come in and take over. And I'm like, so, and she would end up, like, having, like, six orgasms in the run of a sexual session. And I'm like, that's not, no. She would be so sore. Yes. It's not sustainable. <laughs> it is not sustainable. It was, it was a, it was a ride. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> and it was, like, over 200 chapters. I didn't I didn't Wild. finish it all. I got to like chapter 170 something and I was like this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so hard to stop though. I've I've read them too. Like I've downloaded the app but like I haven't I haven't gotten to the point where I'll pay for it. I'm like how do you earn these coins so that I can get it for free? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Some of them are good sometimes. It's like there's it's true. This... I've I've found a gem or two. Like not mm-hmm. like that it's well written, but that the story's good. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them do obviously turn into books. Many books have yeah. started there. Like Throne of Glass started on a website, and so did After We Fall oh. and all those ones. Yeah, they started as like Harry Styles fanfics. Did they? So <laughs> Let's get back into week three. So this week we're talking chapters 19 to 28. Um, I guess last week we ended with Feyre and Tamlin swimming in the pool of starlight. There were a few thirsty looks on either side. And we, for some reason, got Lucian's backstory from (laughs) Tamlin. Um, and there was a little moment of understanding between Lucian and Feyre on her, on their ride home. Yeah. Because he totally like left her, <laughs> left her to die, to die from the Naga. That's yeah. fine. It's 100%. fine. She's cool with it. <laughs> she was cool with it, which I'm like, I don't know if I, I would, I would hold yeah, a grudge. I agree. And if I held a grudge, I would like. I feel like I would feel less bad at the end of book two if I remembered this moment, if I was Farah. Yeah. At the end. Beginning yeah. of book three. End of book two, beginning of book three. That, that whole. Yeah. debacle. Roller yes. coaster. Um, anyway, <laughs> so back to the book. Uh, the next morning. Uh, the gallery is clean and ready for viewing, and uh, Tamlin takes Feyre, and at first she's like, kind of shocked at Tamlin's kindness. Tamlin's kindness in getting all this ready, like even though literally he just asked the servants to do it. It's not like he went in there and like dusted him, 
like dusted it all himself. He's not doing that kind of shit. No, because but... don't you remember what Lucian said? <laughs> High Fae were born to rule. So yes. he, he doesn't yep. sully That's... Tamlin's not gonna sully his hands with dirt or dust. No. That's what the <laughs> servants are there for. It's you're right. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, she's shocked by that at first, but then she's really shocked by the art. And um Tamlin is just amazed that like humans can feel. <laughs> and he he even kind of says that like he sh- he didn't realize that she could feel as much looking at art or feel as much as like he kind of can and like you can tell that he really doesn't know a lot about humans and it's also really condescending like sorry like, i didn't realize you had that feelings. art made you feel things <laughs> like good job so tamlin leaves her to look at the art and he tells her that she's allowed back whenever she wants to, um, which is so generous. <laughs> I know. You can look through Sorry. this room whenever you want. Nobody else is using it. You won't be in anyone's way, Lady Catherine de Berg, anybody. <laughs> the only thing I will say is that I like that he, like, I sort of like that he left her there. Like, he didn't insist on going with her through everything and, like, discussing Mm -hmm. it or, like, watching how she reacts to it. Like, he obviously did for a couple, but, like, I like that he at least was intuitive enough to be, like, this is something she should look at on her own. Yes, 100%. And, like, you can only imagine how exhausting it would have been if he had just followed around and like gave his little opinion on every fucking piece. And she would have been like, you're wrong about fucking everything. <laughs> like, that's how I imagine it going if he actually walked her around, which isn't fair to him at all. But that's just not yet. <laughs> um, so I guess after she's done with the room as she sees Alice and Alice shows her to a room with paintbrushes and canvases. And she says that there's so many different paint colors and there's like more than she could ever imagine. And obviously we know in, in the little house that they had the little cottage, she had like, I think three different color paints or four or something. I can't remember that she painted the whole house with basically like doodled over basically. So obviously, just even normal colors would be more than she'd expect. But then on top of that, I'm sure there's probably more colors in Fey World than there is yeah. here. I would assume. I'd assume their eyesight's better, so you'd think that they could distinguish between. Well, like this is sort of like I feel like most artists don't just like pick up their palette and then squeeze paint on it and then like paint like they mix colors to get what they want right Mm -hmm. so like yeah I don't know I feel like she's a real artist so I feel like she could do a whole lot with like it wouldn't be necessary for her to have every single color given to her she could make whatever she wants yeah, like if you have white and black, you can make anything darker yeah. or lighter to my limited understanding yes. of nothing, paint-wise. Well, yeah. yeah. And again, limited <laughs> but, knowledge for me as well, so I'm not even sure how that really goes. Color theory, <laughs> not my thing. Yeah. my One of my favorite uh, theories, fan theories, is 
that her paintings are just shit and nobody will tell her. <laughs> I obviously don't think it's true, but I think it's the funniest yeah. thing. In yeah, it's very world. funny. Because, <laughs> like, if you if you look back at all the parts of the books and you're like, just imagine if that was so bad, but everybody's just like trying to get into her pants or just like in love with her too much to say that was shit. <laughs> anyway, so we kind of get like a montage here of favorite painting. Weeks pass. She continues to paint. Uh, she never lets Tamlin or Lucian see her paintings. Uh, sometimes Tamlin has to go out hunting and she can't distract herself with painting. So she just waits for him in, in the house, like a pretty little princess. Um, she does talk of her dreams. And I think we talked of this last week of a pale woman ripping her to shreds, which is awful. Um, I feel like this is also never really addressed. It's not, because I completely forgot that it happened until this Yeah, me too. And, like, it has to be the bond. (laughs) That's my, that's what I think. I don't know. I can't really get too much into it. Like, yeah, this is perplexing. Like, she's not, she doesn't have any, like seer powers in her life as a no, mortal no. at all so I think it it must have something to do with later yeah. events maybe maybe we'll jump back to it in book two when we completely forget that it ever happened yeah. <laughs> anyway so she wonders at one point I guess after it's been weeks um, if the paint was kind of a distraction to get her to forget her family and the potential danger and she ends up like working herself up into a rage basically by supper time she goes for a walk in the garden and Tamlin follows her um, she I think part of the rage is like she feels guilty that she forgot about her family but also very sad that her family like doesn't remember she was taken at all. And she probably also feels a bit of righteous anger. I would call it that they didn't do anything when she went out to hunt at 14 or when she was actually taken by a monster. Um, all, all she did in her life was for them. And she's kind of like, kind of having a battle with herself like she shouldn't feel bad for living now and doing what she wants because like she's done so much for other people so she's she's really having a hard time adjusting yeah or maybe I think she's also just kind of feeling bad because she wasn't having a hard time adjusting because she was so happy with all the painting (laughs) but like I also I don't know man it's really hard like I think that most people have some selfishness to them, right? Like Mm -hmm. most people in, in their existence do something selfishly, right? Like, yeah, for the most part, like, you know, you go into the career you want either because it makes you happy or because it pays you well and paying you well makes you happy. And like, even people that 
give their time to others and like volunteer and all this stuff. They do it because doing things for other people makes them feel good. And it's like, it makes you happy to make other people happy. So that's still selfish. So like, I feel like she is sort of, um, she's being a bit selfish here, which makes her feel bad because she hasn't been able to be selfish for so many years. So it's Mm -hmm. like, she has actually had to give up so much of her like existence just to feed her ungrateful family. And now she finally is like happy and like fitting in somewhere and like, you know, whatever. And when she finally remembers her family who were terrible, she's like, fuck. Like, yeah, she feels guilty for not feeling guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think she's, like, kind of projecting that a bit and being like, oh, they gave me the paint to placate me. And it's like, you asked for the paint, though. Like, they're not just trying to – they're trying to find a place for you to fit in because you're going to live here. Yeah, but they sort of are placating her, too. Like, (laughs) Oh, for for sure. But they're they're trying to find something Mm. for her to do to feel meaningful and good in her life. Like, I don't think it's – I don't know. But I agree. Like, I think – Exactly like you said, I think that most people do most of the things that they do for selfish reasons, and that's not no, a bad thing. Not even. I mean, like, what what else are we like? Not we're not getting into existential this year, but like, <laughs> why else are we on this earth? <laughs> we're not going to go there, but like you know, we only have one. For most of us, we only have one life. Unless we're cats, like, are you like worried that you're gonna affront a vampire or something in this conversation? No. Well, I'm thinking more like people that believe in reincarnation. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, but reincarnation, you still, you generally forget your previous I lives. <laughs> so it's, so it still only feels like one life. So I, I'm not just being completely ignorant of other religions here. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying, like, you know, for, we, you know, we feel like we only have one life. So like, yeah, you should do things for you and don't completely give yourself in service of others. Like, don't be miserable, just to make mm-hmm. others happy like do things you want to do yeah um so during her i guess rant in her head she grabs a rose and cuts her hand and the rose comes from a bush that apparently um tamlin's father <laughs> gave to his mother upon meeting so tamlin tells her this basically as he comes up and grabs her palm and kisses it. And then he kisses the other and he's like got blood on his mouth, but he's also healed her. It's just a bit of an odd moment. I thought like, I get it's maybe trying to be cute. Like, let me lick the blood from your hands. (laughs) Like you're not a vampire. So that Um, we know of. It's true, I guess. Um, 
he he tells her that the way that like humans experience everything so quickly is so like interesting to him he's drawn to it um and I just I kind of hate that line it's super cheesy but it's also like really annoying reading it as a human and you're like what else are we supposed to do we only get so many years like we don't live hundreds if not thousands of years like you fey i don't know it's a bit like condescending like obviously we can't help that we only have 80 years to live not thousands like give us a break man yeah we do our best most of the time we'd be selfish um i know like it's a cute moment for them but it kind of gets her thinking of the fact that she's gonna grow old and die which i would assume is not what he's trying to do at this point to make her think of that um she doesn't obviously find it as cute as he thought it might be which is another reason why i kind of struggled with this book (laughs) because like he's just so disconnected with humans and her that i'm like what is happening um he does kiss her on the cheek and says one day he'll explain everything when she's safe so for the reader, it's obvious that like there's a lot going on, but also the weeks that passed previously, I'm sure Feyre thought meant a lot too. So how, like, we can't really blame her for not really understanding what is happening. Like she doesn't, she doesn't get that this, I don't, that he's saying something here that means something because she spent weeks that we have no knowledge of. So, like, this is just a pinpoint that Sarah J. Mass wanted us to see, but obviously for Feyre, it's just another day walking through the garden with Tamlin. Um, Feyre ends up going out into the woods in the next scene, and she can feel a presence behind her, so she sets a little trap. And then she, like, crouches down again, and a while later, she ends up catching Tamlin hanging by his legs. Um... <laughs> He can let himself down because of his retractable claws and um, he hands her some papers after like they kind of have a bit of banter back and forth. Um, But on the papers are five poems and each one is apparently dirtier than the last. Um, And I'm wondering where are those poems? Because I would like to read all five of them. Like... Uh, does he he must read them out to her, does he? I I think so. Because he reads at least the he reads the first few. She can't, and then I think he she does can't read. He does read them she all out to read. her. Yeah, he does read them all out to her. Yeah. Um and yeah, the poems have her words in them from the list that she made and then threw out and then he found. Um I still kind of think he should know better, though, because, like, she's obviously embarrassed by this. And he knows that she can't read. So, like, I I get he's trying to do something nice, but it seems a bit much. But by the end of it, she is laughing about it, because I guess they are hilarious. But, like, Uh, I don't see how, I don't know, I guess, like, I don't overly see how that's helping her. You know what I mean? Like, 
how is that helping her figure out those words? Because they did give us a couple of the poems. And yeah, he used the words, but like, they still, like, if you didn't understand what the words meant, you wouldn't get it from the context of those poems. No, but I feel like she knows what the words mean. She just couldn't read them. I guess. But then if she knows what the words means and just couldn't read them, then how is she... I don't understand then how she figures out that they're from the list that he got from her. Like, how does she know? He definitely, yeah, he definitely read out the first few, though. If not, I think he read out them all. And she was just like, I laughed very hard. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's it's not the best way to teach anybody how to read. But I think he's like, I don't know, he's trying. I guess. Um, but then we get a little backstory and Tamlin says he isn't one who enjoys losing. I'm going to call a bit of emphasis on yes. that. I think that's important. Which we sort of, we can sort of already tell. Like he's a bit, he's a bit of mm-hmm. a baby when he doesn't get his way. Like remember he tantrums. He, he claws. claws. Yeah. And he like goes off and sulks by himself. So like, mm-hmm you know we know this about him he's a big baby yeah um he explains that they used to have contests in his father's war band um of who would be able to write the dirtiest lyrics uh limericks so he like made himself good at it because he didn't want to ever lose lame um yeah Feyre brings up the rose bush again and asks why his father gave it to his mother when they met instead of when they like married. And he explains that they were mates. So if you find your mate, basically you, you feel it instantly and marriage is kind of insig- insignificant in comparison. Like mates are just, that they're soulmates there's only one for you if you find your mate it doesn't matter if you marry them or not because you're you just are what you are kind of is like how I took the conversation do you have any comments on mates I have so many comments on mates (laughs) I know (laughs) like I feel like a lot of people in this fandom have um negative things to say on mates and I just, like, I just can't. I just can't, yeah. like, to, I don't know. It just, it speaks to a part of my soul that I didn't know existed. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. I just, like, I have no idea what it is. Like, I just find it, I don't know, romantic as hell. Mm. I And I have no idea why. I cannot explain it. I'm not a particularly romantic person, but the idea mm. of like having that one soulmate and having it instantly click and like knowing that you can't live without that other person, I don't know. I just really like it. And like, I also, I feel like a lot of people take, they get upset and sort of with Sarah. Like, SJM, Sarah, Mm -hmm. look at me, like, we're on a first-name basis. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I find a lot of people get upset with her and say, like, she uses the mate bond almost like like an excuse. Like, oh, mate bond. So, like, obvi- it, like, yeah. erases everything else that happened in a story. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she uses mm-hmm. it willy-nilly. Yeah. And, like, I don't find that. I don't know. Like, personal opinion. I, I just, that doesn't. I I just don't see it that way and I don't know I just mm-hmm. I really I don't and I really also like how um we'll meet later on that like not all mates are perfect for each other like just because they're your yeah. soulmate doesn't mean that they're like good for you like they might be made for you and perfectly complement you but that doesn't mean you're gonna be happy together yeah I don't know I like it they they kind of get into that with the conversation that they're having now, yeah. I think. Um, my biggest issue with SJM particularly okay. and Nate's is that they're rare. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're rare and yet... <laughs> you telling me, you telling me that three got two out of three, that is not rare. That's a fucking unicorn yeah. times two. Yeah, no, you're not, you're not Any, wrong. Anyway. Like it, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was correct, but I also feel like, so the set of characters that we deal with in this series are exceptional. You know what I mean? Like they're going through yes. exceptional circumstances. They end up like, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but they end up like, you know, this is an epic fantasy romance thing. So Obviously, there's going to be a big, there's going to be big bads happening. There's going to be a lot of heroism and a lot of mm-hmm. sacrifice. So I feel like, yeah, I like, I think rare, maybe it wasn't the best word, but like, I also think that just because the set of characters that we're dealing with, it like, we have this mate circumstance multiple times. I don't think that means that they're not rare. I think that we're just, we have a very narrow lens on a very exceptional group of people. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, we're seeing them have this connection because they are exceptional people. Yeah, like, I guess. It's just wild that like, there's so many bonds within this group of six 10, 12 yeah. people. <laughs> well, I'll, yeah. Anyway, not going to get too far into that. But if she hadn't have called them rare, I would have been more fine yeah. with it. And so. like, at the same time, Tamlin is explaining them as rare. You got to think of it coming from his perspective is like, maybe for them, they're not saying rare in terms of mates finding each other maybe they're saying rare in terms of how long it takes you to find them because remember if they're thousands of years Mm. old they could live like four or five hundred years before they meet like their mate yeah so like maybe he means rare that way like and and on top of that prithian as it stands is divided into the seven territories and it doesn't actually seem like there's a lot of travel between 
Well, there definitely isn't now. No, but even but, before, but it like, didn't seem like there was, like, maybe between the royalty, they would travel between mm. for, like, emissary purposes. But I don't think before, I don't think they were all just going to each other's courts willy-nilly, especially not, like, the regular, the regular people. Yeah, I'm not sure, though, and I, I don't think this comes up until either next half of this part or maybe next week but like when they talk about the summer festival the like um Kalanmai? no we've already had Kalanmai. no the summer solstice no 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 Kalanmai is oh next uh the summer right. solstice yeah the summer solstice when they talk about that i think alice says that it, it used to be something that you'd go to the summer court for i'm pretty sure but like so I think that, like, they would travel for, like, the summer solstice and the winter solstice. But it would probably be, like, the royals for but sure. But even still, that's still only one night a year. Yeah, but if it's something that you feel as soon as you see them. But in, in some cases, it's not, too. So no. it's hard. Because, like, we see later, there's a couple that, like, knew each other completely growing up. I think it's in the third book or something. They're, like, minor characters. But they see each other growing up grew up together and it didn't snap into place until they'd been away from each yeah. other for a while. So like, it's not an exact science, no. but I, I don't know for sure that I think it's rare, but that's besides the point we can agree to disagree. Yeah, and I'm listen, I'm okay with it. I know that how I feel about it. I know how you feel about it. And I just, I like, yeah. I, I, it makes my heart go pitter patter. I can't help it. I know, and like obviously, I want every character that I love in the book to have yeah. a mate. So, like, I'm not going to be mad if they get yeah. one, but that doesn't change the fact that, like, I don't know, doesn't seem rare. But anyway, onward and upward, um, or onward and downward, as it may be. Um, but she asks Tamlin where his parents are, and he explains that his father and his two older brothers were bad uh bad in as they kept human slaves um his mother was very kind but she loved his father and her children and um it kind of seems like one of those situations like you said where they were mates but maybe they weren't the best suited like they didn't have seems like they might have had opposing political yeah. views is what I'll say. Yeah, and like, yeah, uh, the way that it made it seem was, yeah, like the mom didn't agree with keeping slaves and being brutal, but she loved, she loved the father, so she indulged it and just sort of looked past it. Mm -hmm. um, I guess while Tamlin was growing up, he learned he was only really good at fighting and, ki and killing, and Feyre kind of doubts that, um, and Tamlin tells her that he plays the fiddle, which I kind of think is hot. Just no enjoy a musician. No, no <laughs> to the fiddle player. Why? What else is he gonna play in fairy? I don't know. Freaking mandolin. <laughs> mm, less hot. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a fiddle is hotter than a mandolin, but I think in the long line of instruments, fiddle is way down here. Like, I 
feel like I, I would know. put harmonica above fiddle. Oh, well, harmonica, you know, they're good with their <laughs> lips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Tamlin, Tamlin says that he didn't want to be High Lord, um, but I guess his power just kept growing. And that's something that happens, I guess, with every family that has the lineage of High yeah. Lord. Uh, his whole family could feel it and anyway unfortunately his everyone in his family except for him ended up being murdered by an enemy court and he was spared for some reason Hmm. wonder why Um, yeah he explains that he wasn't trained to be a high lord since it wasn't expected that he would be the only child left and a lot of the court, like the spring court, defected rather than stay where a warrior beast was the leader. And um, Farah kind of feels connected to him in this moment because Nesta has called her little more than an untrained beast. Which before. is Nesta's own fault because um, she didn't teach her to read and write. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like a moment in their relationship, I think. But I will also mention that uh, they're so they're preparing for Calumni, which is Fire Night in the distance, and obviously it's it's visible to Feyre. So she asks, "What the fuck is that?" And he explains that there's a ritual to create magic for the year ahead and a party, and other court members come for the celebration, and she is very much not invited. Yeah, and like. <laughs> And it was sort of like, uh, it, I love that part because it was sort of like a, oh, I'm not invited. And she was sort of like joking around. And they were like, no, fuck, no, you are not allowed to come. Like, very obviously, like, no. Like. It's very much, you're not allowed up in the in the East Wing or something. Yeah, from, from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. And yeah. also <laughs> very, um, like, you're human. Stay the fuck inside. And it sort of gets mm-hmm. her hackles raised. I feel like this is not smart on their part. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they should have been a bit more candid about, like, it's dangerous. Like, stay inside, please. Like, not, fuck, no, you're a human. You're not invited. Like, obviously, yeah. that's going to make her curious and going to make her oh, pissed. 100%. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they walk back to the gardens um, and he immediately tells her to stay hidden. And Lucian and Tamlin are talking to somebody nearby that she can't see. And they talk about her again and about Tamlin not giving up. And the invisible fairy says to Tamlin, although you have a heart of stone, you certainly keep a host of fear inside it. And we, we end up hearing that this fairy is an adder and we'll hear more about him, them, the race, etc. later. So next scene, Kalamai is happening. Uh, there are drums and she feels like they're summoning her, but again, she's not invited. And she does feel like there's a string pulling her towards the fire, which is such an interesting imagery, a string pulling her to the fire. Yeah. Hmm. We're going to, like, I really hope that when we do um, 
the next book that we remember some of these details and harken <laughs> back know, to them. I know, we do. Um, Tamlin shows up uh, sans shirt. Um, he has a bow and arrow over his shoulder and no one has explained to Pharaoh what this holiday is. So she kind of asks him what he's doing and he's all solemn and like, I've got to take part in the great right. And he tells her to lock herself in a room and set a snare. And he basically growls at her. He, which, he does you it know, a lot. He's a growler. He is. That's true. But she, she kind of ends up assuming that the great right is something violent yeah. because of the way that he's like, be careful, stay in your set room. Set a snare. Um, yeah. She goes to her room as she's told but a wild, wicked voice tells her to go to the fires, which is like, woo, yeah. hot. <laughs> and like she, she fights with herself a bit and she tries to obey them and not go. But obviously she got to go. What else are you supposed to do? Um, there are hundreds of Fae there and she notices there's a glamour on her. So she can't really see the fairies correctly. Uh, there's a path of Faye leading to a cave, and it's clear that that is the focus of whatever yeah, the hell so this is. So it's like there's Faye lining like both sides of a path, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, so she's like, obviously, this cave is where everyone's going. Yeah. Where the battle yeah. is happening. I know, she, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, she kind of moves to the back because she doesn't really know what's going on so she doesn't want to get caught up in it but she also wants to be able to see um so she just moves a bit further back and then three fey uh kind of like turn her towards them and they look like high fey but they don't have masks uh they're so they're obviously not from the Mm -hmm. spring court and they are surprised that she's human and they say they want some fire night fun which Ew. Very gross. Uh, They start dragging her towards the trees, but she struggles and ends up falling, and strong hands grab her. And they say, there you are. I've been looking for you. And it's a deep, sensual male voice. Very swoony. So, I've all... I will say... I've always wanted been want I've always wanted to be saved by a deep and sensual male voice. Yeah. Same. So she's still looking at the three fairies and can't see who just caught her, but she can tell that the three fairies are very afraid of him. And she kind of turns around to thank him, but is just shocked by his beauty. Of- yeah. She's like, he's the most beautiful man I have yeah. ever seen. And like, yeah, I, I have no words. <laughs> so he has short black hair and violet eyes, which sound mm-hmm. interesting. And the night presses closer in on him and he's not wearing a mask. So he's not from the spring court. Um, I will say that like. We can already tell just from the description of him and how, like, he has no name, but he saved her. Like, we can tell that we're going to meet him again. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think 
We do next week. Yeah. <laughs> so keep yeah. your keep your eyes and your ears and your whatever. Keep everything peeled. <laughs> ears are peeled. <laughs> She basically lies to him and says that her friends brought her here and um, he asked to kind of escort her to where she's going. But she does recognize that he's kind of scarier than the other fairies, even if his intentions aren't as bad, we'll say, as the other ones were. She can recognize that he is clearly powerful and scary. And like, I, I... I wish I could explain it without reading it word for word from the book, but it's like Mm -hmm. the way she describes it is like he exudes power and confidence and like, he's like got this quiet feralness to him. So like Mm -hmm. she can tell he's powerful and like, he's got this like deep voice, like, and it's quiet and it's like, he he doesn't whisper or anything, but like he's got such a quiet volume that it's like that's sort of intimidating in its own right. Yeah, he's got a commanding voice. He's not like he he doesn't have to speak yeah. up to get. Yeah, your he's attention. got a commanding presence, and of course, like she said, he's the most beautiful face she's ever seen in her life. So, like, I feel like that mm-hmm. commands a bit on its own. Yeah. And he also is like playing with her a bit. And he says, all of the monsters have been let out of their cages tonight, which is like pitter patter, my little heart that loves a villain. Who doesn't? Like, honestly, who does not love a villain that can be redeemed? Yeah. If you didn't like if, if you're listening, you didn't love Kylo Ren. Like, who even are you? Yeah, I can't even get into that because that is like I know. One of my I know. chips. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> uh anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so she walks away from him because she's a bit worried that he's just gonna snap his fingers and she'll yeah. die or something. And <laughs> she ends up close to people again, which is smart, but then Lucian notices her. And literally runs over to her, hauls her body and bones over his shoulder, and runs back to the house. And he is panicking. He says that fire night is the start of spring, so the crops rely on the magic to regenerate. And of course, the magic is regenerated by a giant orgy. Um, (laughs) Because fairies... They're so loose. They're so <laughs> loose with their uh, sexuality. Loose yeah. and liberal. <laughs> but it starts with the High Lord taking great and terrible power into his body and being the hunter and finding the maiden. And you're just like, ugh. So obviously the magic's going to consume him. And he won't know his name. And then he kills a stag. And then he picks a rando fairy from the line of women by the cave. And it's just so, I don't know, it's so typical, like, male 
Yeah, Ugh. like they that's how they have to regenerate the power and everything relies on the man like going crazy and picking one woman to essentially dominate and have sex with. The maiden. And yeah. all those women were like lining up on the side of the cave as like, "Hey, pick me." Uh, yeah. Toxic yes. masculinity? It's not it's the right a, word, but yeah, kind of. It's all about the masculinity and the like Yeah. Ooh. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. You know what I mean? That's what I get from yes, it. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Well, he kills an animal and then goes, it's just yeah. so much. And again, they don't need the food, so they're just killing the stag. What are they going to do with it? Symbolically, Blech. it's just a... No, I can't even can't even think more about it because then it <laughs> just go too far. <laughs> anyway... So Lucian is really glad that he found her because he knows that Tamlin would want Feyre once he smells her and she gets another warning to stay in her room till morning. Um, Feyre's in her room and she kind of realizes that she's a little bit jealous of this woman, whoever she is, which is kind of understandable, I guess. But it's also like, Someone should have told her before right now what the fuck was going on. Like, it's not really fair to her. Well, yeah, like her and Tamlin have been gearing towards an understanding. And it's like, all of a sudden, they're like, he has to have sex with another woman. And it's like, oh, cool, I guess. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are they? But yet, they all expect her to be cool with it. Yeah. Were they just never going to tell her? Maybe. Maybe that's what Maybe. the plan was. I don't. But even I don't still, know. that's rude too. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, so she has a nap, and then she goes to the kitchen for a snack, and she finds Tamlin in the hallway, or Tamlin finds her basically, and he's covered in paint, and she can tell where he's been touched based on the smudges. Which is interesting if you think of later in the books. Yeah. It's a little bit of yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, a little bit. bit. Um, he pins her to the wall and says he smelled her and she wasn't there. And he's half wild with the magic still. I'm like, is it the magic or is it a fucking excuse to be yeah, an asshole? Yeah, he's being like, like a, he's being very beastly, isn't he? Like wild, right? Like he a is. wild animal. But he's like that some days anyway, so I'm like, is it really the magic, or is this just who you fucking are? He says that when he couldn't find her, he picked someone else. He had sex with someone else. Nice. And he said she asked him not to be gentle, but he would have been gentle with her, her being Feyre. You're like, (laughs) thanks, I guess? Like, I didn't ask you... A, to have sex with me at all, or B, to be gentle if we were going to have sex in the first place. Like, Yeah. Just, like, I feel like there's this is a borderline consent issue. Yeah. Because, like, she didn't, they haven't even kissed yet. Like, and that, and he's no. like, I would have been gentle with you, and I wanted you, and <laughs> I smelled you, and you weren't there. As if, like, accusing her of, like, being there but not there doing it yeah. on purpose and it's like bitch yeah. she didn't even know what Callum Nye was exactly so and I get he's like half wild <laughs> with the magic insert quotes air quotes but yeah. like yeah dude get a 
fucking clue. Yeah. She does say, she does ask him, like, why would I, I want someone's leftovers? <laughs> Which is maybe not, love like, it. the best thing to say to him. But I, I get love it. it. And Like, she not backing down for nobody. No, and she's still sassy, and, like, I, I do appreciate that. But then he bites her neck, not hard enough to bleed, but kind of, like, to keep her in place. Which, hallway neck bites are an SJM thing, apparently. Just saying. Um, but this makes her hella horny. Like, she's feeling it, and she wants him. And he tells her not to disobey him. And she slaps him in the face and tells him not to tell her what to do. And you go, girl. I love that. I love that she slapped yeah. him. Like, she still wants him, but well, like, not when he's being like this. But at the same time, like, I can recognize that it's, an, it's not an ideal situation. At the same time, realize it's an incredibly hot situation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, yeah. you don't want anybody coming up and, like, touching you against your will. But at the same time, like, him being all like, I smelled you and you weren't there. Like, I wanted you. Sort of like, that's going to make yeah. you be like, ha, you know, like, maybe. More than more than anybody yeah. else that was in that line. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes you yeah. feel special. But, and then for him to be like, like, to want to, like, you know, to sort of be like coming up on her like she's obviously turned on mm -hmm. by him and then he like does stuff to like make her even more turned on you know like again yeah i see the side that's not ideal but i also see the side that's like yes please <laughs> yes i agree completely so the next morning she basically has a giant bruise on her neck and she thinks about putting something there like a, and then yeah, she was like a scarf or something right yeah i think she was gonna like make sure her hair covered in and like a scarf whatever just to make sure that it wasn't obvious and then she was like fuck it he should see what he did this is his fault he was a big yep, brute true <laughs> and lucian sees it at lunch and basically just asks what it's from and Tamlin explains that he bit her because she couldn't follow orders. So, like, this is actually a part that originally I found really comical. But when you look into it, this is victim blaming 150%. Like, yeah. he bit her because she couldn't follow orders? No, take responsibility for your own fucking actions, dude. Yes. Yeah. Also, nobody told her what the fuck was going on. It's not like it's her fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she says that she, like, goes and draws that afternoon. And she draws Tamlin and Lucian as pigs. <laughs> and I kind of like to see those yeah, paintings. Agreed. Uh, they apologize to each other at supper. And he brings her white roses, which I just looked up the meaning of. And they symbolize loyalty purity and innocence which is definitely interesting because i think that's exactly how he sees yeah. her yeah the the innocent the uh, innocent and pure part maybe yeah well yeah i don't know about the loyalty bit 
Well, I think he wants her to be loyal to him alone. I think it's like from his point of view. I guess. I can see it working. Um, So the next night, Pharaoh wears a dress. And while she's getting ready, Alice is obviously helping her. And they kind of have a little chat. And Alice is from the summer court. And her family is still there. Uh, When she gets to supper, looking very beautiful, uh, Lucian realizes, I'll say with air quotes again, that he's late for something incredibly important, and yeah. he bolts. So she's been wearing, like, tunics and pants this entire time that she's been there. And this is, like, the first time they've seen her in yeah. a dress. She always wants to be ready to yeah. be able to run. So <laughs> she, she, hasn't, she doesn't want to wear dresses. Um, Tamlin kind of vanishes a bunch of the table so that they're closer to each other after Farah says how far away he is. Yeah. Um, and he says that... Can you Sorry. imagine, like, two people sitting down to dinner at, like, one of those huge Beauty and the Beast tables, and they're that yeah. far apart? Like, it's giving me Bridgerton <laughs> vibes. Do you remember that? Like, mm. in, what, episode mm-hmm. six of season one. I don't know okay. them that well. Season one, episode <laughs> six. They're <laughs> having dinner in the in their dining room, and, like, he comes in and sits down, and she's on the very opposite oh, end of the table. Yes, and then yes. she's like, I'll fix. He was like, you're so far away. And she's like, well, that's just an easy matter to remedy. And then she gets up with her plate and her, and her, and she's like, it is no trouble, truly. And then she goes over and sits next to him and everybody judges them. And then they're literally there for like two minutes and then they ravish each other outside. So that's, <laughs> I'm getting those vibes. <laughs> You've only watched the series once, I can tell. Um... <laughs> no judgments, please. <laughs> no judgments at all. <laughs> uh so anyway like the same situation except for instead of moving closer he just disappears at the complete middle of the table and um she kind of asks what the fuck happens with all that middle table shit and he says it gets taken to the between and it's kind of like a broom closet between worlds which is interesting to say because like worlds what does that mean and like if there's room between the worlds is that like the same room for everybody for all worlds like how i feel like we're missing something here that we may get at some point i want to explore that broom closet though think about how much cool shit would be in there oh so much like if you're just trying to hide something quickly i wonder if you could take stuff from there and like claim it as your own like if someone's yeah, hiding, I don't know. I don't know if it's a place you could actually go. I wonder. Like, can you? Because in like Harry Potter, you're not allowed to like vanish a person. Basically, like you can't. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Um. So Tamlin tells her that she looks beautiful, and she says that she, she like looked in the mirror before she left, and she's she's filled out a bit since being there and eating more than normal obviously um and and she does have some light in her eyes so like she actually thinks that like she can see that she looks better too which is another thing about sarah j mass's writing that i do appreciate is like she does write characters that like aren't super thin and beautiful they're like 
the right body shape for themselves. So I do appreciate that. Um, after supper, she takes him to her painting room and they hold hands the whole way. <laughs> Just like a bite to the neck and now we're going to yeah. hold hands. Like she forgave him mm. way too easily. Like he gave her yeah. a bruise. He assaulted her. Mm-hmm. But she's happier than she was before. So she's going to take what she can get, I guess. Uh, I, I guess. So when they get there, it takes him a while to light the candles in the room, and she wonders if he drained himself shortening the table. And, like, clearly the blight has fucked him over. Um, she shows him some of her paintings, and she painted the glen with the moonlight pond for him. And she says that, like, she wants him to have it. But he kind of looks through her other paintings, and he sees the forest and then the cottage... And he sees Isaac's hand in the hay. And that is like the only painting there that has any light in it. And he he growls at it, which is kind of like he's jealous of something that happened before he even existed yeah. to her. Even though he literally just fucked someone else roughly yeah. two nights ago. I, and not roughly two nights ago. I mean, they had rough yeah. sex. Um <laughs> So a bit of a red flag there. A flag Um, rouge. If you will. (laughs) Um, She also painted the creditors beating her father, basically. Um, And he realizes that she was there for that. And that obviously makes him sad for her. Um, He he wants the snow-veiled woods painting, which is like basically... Like, in the beginning of the first scene of the book, right before she kills his friend, she talks about how beautiful the woods is. And I think that's the, like, picture that she envisioned when she did this painting. So it's kind of an interesting picture for him to want. Um, she also says to him that she, she, like, wants to be able to help with the blight. And she knows that, like... She's just an insignificant human, but she, she's just wondering if there's anything that she can do. But he says that she can't, and now he just wants her to stay there so he knows that she's safe and he can come home to her. And she kind of... Well, no, he tells her that she really understands him like no one else has, and he doesn't feel alone with her. And she says that that night when she goes to bed, she doesn't lock her bedroom door. Yeah. I will say, like, I really enjoy. It seems that, like, we're definitely getting an emotional connection as well as a physical connection. Like, yes, SJM is really highlighting, like, like, she does take the time to highlight that, like, yes, they have their, like, sexual tension moments. But then they're also, like, they are bonding over their shared uh, responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he's responsible for this whole court. She was only responsible for three other people. But, like, he knows that she knows duty like no one else does. And there's, you know, I really like that they're creating this emotional connection on top of the physical one. Yeah. Like, they were both thrust into a situation that they weren't ready for at a very young yeah. age. For her, it was 14. For him, it was like less young. Like, 80-something. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so the next day they go to a grassy glen and lie on the grass. And Tamlin mentions that the willow magic always makes him sleepy. Yeah. And he says that she's human, so she can't she can't see or hear it. Um, he says he can help her see it only if she pays a price and it's a kiss and she agrees to it and he tells her to close her eyes and he kisses her eyelids and she can hear and she can see like everything without a glamour anymore um she says even tanlin looks different he almost glows and has sunlight over his head she (laughs) It's kind of enamored by how he looks basically in the scene. And she like reaches up and tries to take his mask off. Obviously it don't um, come off. <laughs> no. But obviously being a high Lord, like physically manifests in the people and like, it gives them more of a, I would say glow depending on where they're from. It does something. I so. always took it to be, it's like their power radiating from inside of them out. Like, because hmm. Like a light that goes bizarre. Yeah, and like it, 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 he even says, like, and a lot of the high lords that we encounter will say, and that, mm-hmm. um, they can like tamp down on it and like pull that power inward so that they don't, so that they don't like let that radiate out of them as much. And yeah. he, so he's obviously choosing to like show her his like, or uh, his like shining light. He didn't have to do that, but he did. No. So ob- yeah, and she says that he like he tamps yeah. it back down and looks normal yeah. again. So uh, she unsurprisingly starts to get sleepy too. Because if if the willow is going to make a high lord sleepy, it's going to make a human. Is it sleepy. just? It's just a willow tree and... that sings, right? Like it's nothing crazy. I, I think it's so. A, I think it's, it's just a tree in a meadow singing, singing yeah. a lullaby. Instead of whomping and <laughs> singing. Um, so he asks for his kiss and she quickly kisses his hand and they lie together. And as she's falling asleep, he whispers that she's exactly as he dreamed she'd be too. Why too? Uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't write it down, but Maybe she said he looked like a dream. Something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I really like that she, like, um, she <laughs> kissed his hand, like, as a, like, mm-hmm. he, ex- yeah, he totally of, expected yeah. her to kiss him on the mouth. And she was like, heck no. We're still getting yeah. to know I, each other. Yeah, I thought that it would be like the kisses on her eyelids i would have been like that was a kiss um so i guess she wakes up um later on to a woman who's got skin like tree bark fixing her breakfast tray and she was like hey where's alice and it's really funny because she's like what are you talking about and she was like is, is she sick like where is where's alice and she was like are you crazy like i am alice and so i guess tamlin <laughs> removed the glamour from her eyes uh and really removed it so like now she um 
can't now she can really see everybody so it turns out alice Mm -hmm. doesn't look high fey the glamour made her look that way but she actually has this like tree bark skin and is like weird like a different color and like she's a taller and willowier than than uh Feyre remembered so like she looks completely different yeah. um <laughs> she sort of like admits that she knows that Tamlin put those glamours on her because if she saw all these fey that looked so different she would like barricade herself in her room and like not come out. Um, <laughs> yeah. She goes down to breakfast and this is like one of my favorite parts of this book. So she goes down to breakfast and sees like there's a ton of fairies around like a ton. <laughs> um, yeah. She asked Tamlin where they all came from. She's like, did something happen? Like, where did everybody come from? <laughs> he said they were there all along. So like, every isn't that terrible but hilarious so like every time she thought she was sneaking around the manor or like every time she thought she was doing something secretive there were people everywhere watching her so like just imagine like tiptoeing down a hallway thinking no one is seeing you and literally everybody is looking at you like so terrible but hilarious at the same time um she also like remembers then that the night that she escaped the house because the puka showed up like as her father, she was trying to be stealthy and like climb down the trellis outside her window, like the Ivy. <laughs> and she thought that like, she was being really <laughs> stealthy, but like there were fairies everywhere watching her. And it just, it just like, as it just makes me giggle. It's so bad. It's so embarrassing. Can you imagine? I would just walk out the front door. I'd be like, oh, they were here the whole time. I'm just going to walk back to uh, my cottage. I'd be like, I'm going up to my room. I'm never coming out. Thank you very much and goodbye. Like, 100%. Um, She sort of says, like, well, if you hid all the spring court, like, then why could I see the bag creatures? Like, the puka and the naga and whatever. Mm. And they're like, well, they're not a part of the spring court, so uh, she could see them. And yeah, she also didn't see the adder when you just spoke about the adder visiting. She didn't get a look at him. But Tamlin threw the glamour over her so the adder could not see her mm-hmm. um, and he sort of says to her like if you see a scary creature or anything that makes you uncomfortable pretend you don't see it which I think is weird advice yeah like just pretend it's not there I don't know like yeah just seems weird I know, but then I guess it's like... Like it works for the Bogue, I guess? Well, it does work for the Bogue, but then, like, if any of the... He also doesn't know what she'll find creepy. So, like, what if she found Alice still creepy because she's just not used to it? Like, I don't know. I, I get it maybe working because she's basically been ignoring them all so far, and it 
she hasn't gotten into that much trouble. But like if someone if someone's creep seems creepy or scary is different than if they're actually attacking you. Don't like don't ignore them if they're attacking you. <laughs> I guess. But so his his comment is like pretend you don't see it cuz if you get hurt it wouldn't be pleasant for the creature or for me. That's what Tamlin says to her. I d- mm-hmm. like I just like it just seems a weird way to care for her safety to me. You yeah. know what I mean? It's also red flag! another instant of well, yeah, red flag, but it's also another instant of like if you get attacked, it's your fault that yes. this person is hurt and that I yes. am mad. It's another it victim blaming situation. I didn't even think of that. Like it is really I I would not have thought of it if you didn't say it earlier. So, but like looking at it all with that new lens, you're like, oh, it yeah. totally is. But like, mm-hmm. it's insinuating essentially that if, if anything hurts her, then Tamlin is going to like destroy it. And yeah. also like, I guess he would feel sad she got hurt. Like, I don't know if that's what he's insinuating too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's how she takes it, because she doesn't take it as bad as yeah. we did. Anyway. Uh, so next morning comes, and she's, like, on her way to paint in the garden, and all of a sudden she finds a high phase like, head. Decapitated head. It's like, isn't it, like, staked, like, vampire yeah, style? No, no, no black, I think it was, black. like, in a fountain or something. Uh, I'm not 100% sure I remember. Anyway. I'm not either, but my <laughs> my just vision of it. It might have been in a fountain, but all I could think was yeah. like Vlad yeah, steak. <laughs> um, it was really creepy because the mouth of the high fate, like the head, it was open and screaming, which is super creepy. And like I think mm-hmm. we can assume that she's never seen a decapitated head before. So, well, yes, <laughs> so she that was makes a bit sense. Freaked out. Um. She like sort of starts to start to freak out and then Tamlin sort of finds her and like chills her out before she can like go full blown. It's funny because she sort of like, not that she never mentions this decapitated head again, but she's not as traumatized by it as I would expect her to be. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I guess like she's dealt with blood and guts and gore before still though i would be traumatized as fuck um so um he him so tamlin and lucian check out the head and they see that it was branded behind the ear with the night court sigil which is a mountain with three stars over it and they essentially say obviously this comes from the night court they're all um sadistic and they're torturers and they're all terrible people up at the night court essentially um and pharah is worried because they came so close to the estate to get the head there that maybe they'll come for her next and like i just sort of want to be like why do you think you're that important yeah but i it's also like if they can get that close 
She's easy pickings. She can't really fight back. No, but why would she assume they want to attack her specifically? Anyway, whatever. Uh, Tamlin and Lucian sort of reassure her that trust us, like the Night Court, they're they're sadistic, but they're not stupid. They're not going to risk doing that. Um, like essentially, it's like all at war if they do that, and if they do invade, then they're they'll be ready to like squash them like bugs. Um, Tamlin sort of said, like he admits that he was happy that he was small when his father sent the human servants away, um, below the wall, and that they were happy to go even if they hadn't like seen any other season before, I guess because some of the Fae like were so barbaric and torturous. So he's like, I'm sort of glad that like, I didn't have a chance to see their suffering. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Feyre then has to like reassure her that like, you're not your father, you're not your brothers, you're your own person. And sort of like, you don't know his father or brothers. You don't know how close, like, Tamlin is acting like them. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like she's making all these assumptions about him that she doesn't really know. They've known each other for a few, a few Yeah. Weeks. I get that, like, this is one of the first people that she's ever have a, had a real emotional connection with, though, it yeah. seems like. Because, like, she doesn't have it with any of her family. So I feel like she's very drawn in by her image of him. But he also has hundreds of years to account for that she doesn't. She's just, she's so yeah, young. that's true. Um, so I guess they get news that the blight was crawling towards them. So Tamlin had to go out, like, beyond the estate. And stays out overnight to like assess the spring court border. But he sent Feyre a message saying he was all right. So like we're sort of getting she's nervous about him being gone. But he's trying to reassure her like you know that he's okay. Um, She says that she knew that she was falling for him after that. And knew that she would end up with a broken heart. I mean... Mm -hmm. I feel like something that not many books take into consideration is the fact that, like, he is technically immortal. Like, he's not actually. He'll die, like, after he's a thousand or two years old. But, like, for all intents and purposes, he's immortal compared to her. And, like, what happens when she's, like, 70? (laughs) Well, what... What books are like this? There's so many fucking of them that are like this. That they're like, we'll just be together and everything will be fine. Well, that's it, right? And like, no, it's not. Like, and as much, and it's usually the guy that's the immortal one. I know you just read a book where it's the opposite, but like. It, oh, no. not anymore, though. Yeah. They're both, they, they both ended up being, so it's not the same. Like, if they both become immortal, yeah, it's fine. but what I mean is, like, usually the dude is the immortal one, and the girl is, and she's like, yeah. how are you still gonna love me when I'm all full of wrinkles? And that... Think yeah. Bella in and <laughs> She literally had full-on panics about this yeah. in high school. She's like, I'm already getting a wrinkle. Like, See I have, it? Well, I have See one gray hair. Um, but, like, but, yeah, and and it's the same thing, like, in this instance, he is going to live 
for a thousand years. What is going to happen when she starts to age in like 50? Well, not even start stage in 50 years. Like she's only really got 50 to 60 years to live. Well, and like I'm sure in their town that she lives in, they're living like they don't live no. to 80, no. 90 like we no, do. Not. So like I guess my issue is that they never ever this is never brought up in these types of books like it's just not addressed as much uh, like uh, realistically because the dude is just like Mm -hmm. oh well of course i'll still love you i don't care what you look like and i'm like that's bullshit because if you didn't care what she looked like she wouldn't be 19 years old with silky brown hair (laughs) with like a curvy figure (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you obviously care a little bit about what she looks like because all these other beautiful fae are throwing them at, they're throwing themselves at you and you can't see anybody but her. So, like, she's obviously decently good looking. So, like, I don't know. I just feel like no one talks about this enough. (laughs) No, but I also, I can't think, and I don't know, I could be wrong. I can't think of any books where the man is immortal and he stays with an old the girl while she grows old. But I can think of a book where the woman was immortal and she stays with the guy, which is the Infernal Devices trilogy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. But I, I can't think of like where we actually get. I've. This is a bit of a spoiler for a series that we've already done, but a discovery of witches, I assume it happens, but we don't actually get it. Well, but they, they age, they age together. Oh yeah. She ages him through magic. Is it? Dumb. So like they look the same age, like they both look like they're getting old. So that's different. Yeah. Cause with like, with the infernal devices, they did the, the, and sorry, maybe sh- there should be a spoiler here. So don't listen <laughs> if you are planning on reading this series that is like, it's a pretty old series, but skip ahead a few seconds. Um, but she is as young as the day she met them. Yeah. And he is an old man dying of yeah. old age. Yeah. She's like 18. I won't say who he is. That's I won't say smart. who he is. And then that's less of a spoiler. Less yeah. of a spoiler. But anyway. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just, it just bothers me a little bit. Um, so I guess the next morning after like when Tamlin's out that night and she has this realization that, oh, she's falling in love with him. Uh, she wakes up and she looks outside and sees that all the staff are setting up maples and fiddles and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and she's told it's the summer solstice. So they're all, they're all celebrating. The summer solstice. Yeah. Um, Tamlin gets home. She's really relieved. So she's going to find him. And Alice like is like, nope, you're going to change first. Um, and after when she changes, they come downstairs. Or she comes downstairs. And Tamlin and Lucian say to her that she looks positively fey. And that actually Ooh. makes her like really giddy and secretly sort of happy. Like, she almost mm-hmm. wants to look fey, which is a very big yeah. shift in her opinions, right? First, she 
hated everything about them and now she's like oh i kind of look like them right yeah um so she and tamlin sort of go for a walk and she gets turned on just by like touching his arm (laughs) and i'm like bitch you gotta get some like she's getting turned on like with very minor things it's like she is overdue yeah, I feel like there's so much sexual tension between them that you could, like, use it as lube. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're they're both very But can on. I also say how unrealistic, like, um, when you read books and, like, the guy puts his fingers, like, he searches her out and finds her immediately wet. Like, come on, dude. I find this, anyway, it's a bit off topic, but still. Uh, So the festival gets going, um, and Feyre says, like, it's similar to the human festivals, the human counterparts that, like, that they have on the other side of the border. Um, Like, there's food, Mm -hmm. there's music, it's just a lighthearted sort of celebration. Um, She even has some fairy wine, even though Lucian warned her not to, and, like, (laughs) Which is fair. Like, I do the same. You can't tell me not to drink some And apparently it makes her, like, really high and, like, giddy and, like, happy. And um, she calls Tamlin her High Lord, which is, yeah. A bit possessive of her, though. Like, you know, it's not all one-sided. It's not all him. Like. No. It's it's a bit of her, too. Um. She hears the music. She just wants to dance to it. And like at this point, she's like she, loaded on the fairy wine. She's, she's a, a drunk, drunk bitch. Yeah. Like yeah. this is she wants yeah. to go dancing. And like fair point. Let's go dancing. <laughs> you know I'm I mean? This was yeah. us. Like I'm not I'm not judging her. We, we did, did the, same, do the thing. same thing a lot. Um so yeah, and I guess she's like dancing, like doing her thing on the dance floor. And she notices that Tamlin is playing the fiddle with the band. Ooh, and I know. how hot. <laughs> playing that old fiddle. And uh, she thought he looked real handsome playing that fiddle. I guess, like, it, it's also, like, yeah. he's doing stuff with his fingers that could be impressive. Right? True. It's also that forearm. Like, when you see a man's forearm and it is big, okay. big fan. Um, <laughs> yep. When they roll yep. up their shirts, their long sleeve shirts, and then they're done for the day and they roll them up and then they start playing the fiddle. Playing that good old fiddle. <laughs> you know, like men do after work. After a long day out in those fields. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doing the hard work of ruling. <laughs> Anyway, so, like, I guess Lucian comes over and apologizes to Tamlin's, like, sorry, Tam, like, she got, she drank the fairy wine, even though I told her not to. And Tamlin's sort of like, that's okay, like, you can leave her, I'll watch her. And Mm -hmm. this part is, like, the cringiest part in this whole book for me, because (laughs) after Lucian's like, oh, thank God, and he leaves, Tamlin tells Feyre, he's like, dance, Feyre, dance. And, like, I feel like it's supposed to be, like, sexy or, like, him, like, I don't know. 
but to me it's just like gross yeah it's like possessive and like try hurt him trying to tell her what to do anyway yeah bleh. But I, I also, this is, I think this is a second reading sans rose-colored yeah. glasses. I know it's not that, it's not a second reading for either of us. We've yeah. read it multiple times. But I do think that, like, yeah. it's amazing how much you can ignore in this book. <laughs> in the in the first reading. It, it's 100%. I didn't think of any of these things the first time I read them. I was completely, like, I did have the rose-colored glasses on. I was like, oh my god, she's so happy. And she is, and I'm happy for her, but. Yeah. I just, I just didn't care about anybody enough. I was like, uh, why, why? But yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess he eventually stops playing the fiddle and gets up and dances with her. And then he leads her away to watch the Will of the Wisps. If anybody has ever seen the movie Brave, you know what a Will of the Wisp is. Um, they're like dancing and singing in the meadow. They're these mm. little like globes, little orbs of light, like dancing around a meadow, and it's very romantic. And they dance in the meadow by themselves, and you know, it's just when Don approaches, they they have a nice kiss. First time they actually Ooh. like kiss on the lips, yeah. And they're like roving their hands over each other, like exploring each other. And like, Frisky. yeah, I, I almost wish they had had sex here because it's a very nice moment. There's nothing tarnishing it. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel like it would have been the right time. Yeah. Um, they don't. I feel like if it was, if it was new adult, they would have. Like if it wasn't being marketed as YA, they might have actually had sex here. But I mean, they have, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but. I know, and she already has had sex with um, Isaac Hale. What's his face? Yeah. yeah, but like, I don't know. Maybe you're only allowed so many sex scenes in YA. I don't actually know. Oh, no. I don't know if there's a rule. Yeah. Anyway, so after they make out for a little bit and like touch each other, they go sit on a hill and watch as the sun comes up. They say apparently the summer solstice has one of the best sunrises. So, um. But yeah, they're up until after the sun comes up and then they go to sleep, wake up a few hours later for breakfast with Tamlin or breakfast with Lucian, sorry. Um, And she sort of says like she doesn't regret anything happening with Tamlin, even though she was like a little bit drunk. Which is maybe yeah, that's probably probably why they didn't have sex. sex, But like, yeah, so like they flirt really hardcore breakfast and it makes Lucian like feel really awkward. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Feyre like discusses in her mind in detail how much she wants him to take her on the table um, because she is really turned on Um, and I think we've discussed in other SJM books that we have that Faye can actually like smell your when you're aroused so like I hate it so much I (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine like Tamlin's probably like into it. He's like, yes. Like, yes, queen. Yeah, like, she wants my like hot dog. <laughs> Big D. <laughs> hot dog. Uh, I was trying to not just say Big Dick, but you just went there. <laughs> anyway, um, 
but like also imagine poor Lucian sitting there being like, oh my god, she really just like is she's just horny right now and like just being yeah. so awkward. Uh anyway. <laughs> then I guess Lucian has to like kill the mood and mm. um says that he has news from the winter court. Uh, apparently the Blight took out two dozen of their younglings, a.k.a. their children. Uh. So two dozen children have died from the Blight. Apparently it burned through their magic and broke apart their minds. And no one from the Winter Court could do a darn thing. It's insane. Yeah. So this is a really sad moment and it sort of really cuts through the... Uh, uh horniness like (laughs) like she was all hot and heavy and was prepared to let him take her on that table and then this sort of like just it's like splash water over everything apparently he also said like the other courts are really being hit hard by the blight and they mentioned that younglings are really rare so like their deaths are unimaginable and really really painful like couples could wait like over a hundred years trying Mm -hmm. to have a baby and unable to do so so like yeah the fact that two dozen children were killed is um you know is is very is very sad um yeah i think alice mentioned it before that like it's very rare for Faye in general having kids yeah and like that could that's technically like that could be a whole generation like imagine like mm-hmm. that could literally be an entire generation of the winter court just gone yeah 100 percent. um so like it's already like gone down into this somber mood and all of a sudden tamlin jumps from his chair and we don't really know why and he makes Feyre hide behind the curtain like or not behind the curtain but makes her hide by a curtain in the dining room and puts Lucian in front of her and glamours Feyre to become a part of of Lucian sort mm-hmm. of like hiding her scent and then Tamlin sort of sat back in his chair pretending nothing was wrong but Feyre could like really tell that he was scared and that whoever is showing up um, would want to hurt her if they knew she was there. So she sort of knew to stay Mm -hmm. quiet. Uh, She hears footsteps and all of a sudden she sees a man and she recognizes him as that man that saved her from the three males on Callum Nye that saw that like sultry deep voice with the dark hair and violet eyes, that guy. And his name is Resand. And I'm, Again, he's the most handsome. He's amazingly handsome. <laughs> he sees it immediately. Um, he talks to Tamlin and Lucian and immediately like antagonizes them and teases them. Mm-hmm. And he says like, oh, you know, I haven't seen you in 49 years. And it's like, weren't you at their house? How did you not see them? Yeah, especially since like, Feyre walked away from him what? and five seconds later Lucian like yes. tackled her through her <laughs> shoulder. You'd think that he would have like I don't know 
been watch. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't watch where she went and didn't. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. So mm-hmm. he then asks if he liked, if they liked his present, AKA the head of that fairy that Feyre found in the garden. And mm. he says he's also, he says, I'm surprised that he's like, he said he was surprised that Tamlin had been holed up in his estate and hasn't tried to save himself or his lands. And Tamlin sort of just says like, there's nothing to be done sort of like mm. accepting his fate. And they have a little back and forth of like just snarking at each other. And Tamlin calls Resand Amarantha's whore. So hey. we got Amarantha's name before. Like we heard about it, I think during week one, maybe. Um, so that name is not familiar. I know Feyre thought it was um, maybe the name of uh, of a high fae, of uh, one of the like the high lady or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we know Resen's at least sleeping with her. Um but he admits through the back and forth that he is the high lord of the night court. I guess he's like I don't know how he goes about it. Um he keeps antagonizing uh Tamlin and Lucian and sort of mentions that he'll make sure Amarantha is prepared for Tamlin's arrival. And, you know, he sort of lets that go and he's getting ready to leave. And he notices all of a sudden the glamour on Feyre and tears it away. Uh, They try and lie and say that she's Lucian's betrothed, like (laughs) Lucian's fiance, which is like, come on, dude, you're betrothed to a a human. Like, let's not be so like, he's not going to believe that. Um, Yeah. And then Reese, Reesand, we call him Reese, grabs mm. her mind. And she says it felt like talons scraping across her mind. And she knew with one swipe, she would cease to exist. So I don't know. I find that that's, it's like a really interesting way to describe his power. Yeah. Also terrifying. Also terrifying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> He reads her mind and sees all the sexy thoughts she ha- she's been having about <laughs> Tamlin and like sort of says, oh, Tamlin, like she's, you know, got the hots for you. And even though she's Lucian's <laughs> yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. And essentially. Bet- betrothed. Yeah, betrothed. And essentially says that Amarantha is going to enjoy breaking her apart and having Tamlin watch. And mm. yeah, this causes Tamlin to like freak the fuck out um and he begs Resand not to tell Amarantha about her but Reese makes him and Lucian kneel so low their heads touch the floor he's like well if you know if you don't want me to tell this is what you have to do so like he's being a bit of a dick 100% maybe even a little bit more um yeah he also then after like he made them bow and like Pharaoh's like her mind is blown that they would bow that low for her like she knows how proud Tamlin is and how he would he doesn't bow for anybody but he bowed like to keep her safe mm-hmm. um he so Reese doesn't guarantee that he won't tell but he does ask Pharaoh for her name 
and she knows she can't give him her real name. So she gives him the name of a girl from her village. Like first name pops into her head, Claire Better. Uh, he leaves like he's, I guess, placated by that um, and tells Tamlin that he would see him under the mountain. Uh, Pharaoh was like so terrified during this encounter that after he left, she runs to her room and stays there all night long. Um, she doesn't go down to dinner, but she hears Tamlin like raging and destroying the dining room. Like, dude, Ugh. tantrum, come on. Such tantrum. Uh, later on, I guess he comes to her room and tells her he's sending her home, like across the wall back to her dad. And that he's taking on her life debt so she can be free. So like mm. all this crap about how like there was nothing in the treaty that could free her. Bullshit. Essentially. Yeah, right. Um, and she's actually like heartbroken by this. Like she says she doesn't want to go, but he says like, he doesn't want her to get hurt. And she is initially insistent on staying, but he says there are worse things coming like, like the adder. And he can't bear to think of her in their hands. And it just like, I wish she had been more stubborn in this moment. Like, she, oh, don't we all? Like, she has been a driving force of her own will, apart from the fact that he, like, kidnapped her. But, like, she has not done anything that she did not want to do this entire book. She's super stubborn, super, like, uh, she's got, like, self-preservation. She's, you know, I don't know. I just, she's really been all about like doing what she wants to do this entire book and all of a sudden he's like oh no you have to leave like i need to keep you safe and she's like okay i you know what i mean i just like it just yeah it bothers me yeah it does seem uh, it seems out of character it does and i i know it's i know it's plot driven but i i also like i said when we first started reading this this is almost around the spot where i stopped reading because i was like why yeah why is this what's happening this wouldn't happen yeah um anyway i guess she like sort of accepts that this is what he wants and they kiss and Feyre pushes tamlin onto the bed woo Woo. so like this is is the moment i'm not gonna sugarcoat it this is where they have sex um <laughs> And this is sort of why I wish they had also had sex earlier. Because yeah. it's like they, they're getting this one, like, they're really getting this last night together. And, mm. and then she's gone. And I just feel like it tarnishes the sex a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, so she pushes Tamlin on the bed. They make out, touch each other some more. He flips like them around so that he's on top of her which like of course he does mm-hmm. um he shreds through her panties with a claw which i i actually think is kind of hot <laughs> and depending on where he's shredding well like <laughs> obviously don't hurt like don't <laughs> shred my vagina but like 
if you're just shredding material, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and obviously then he starts like using his hand on her and he goes to stop then. Like, I guess he got out of control and she was like, don't stop. Why are you stopping? And he's like, if we keep going, I won't be able to stop at all. And she's like, yes, that's why she said to keep going. <laughs> like, I don't understand his reasoning at all. I know, but I think this is another one of those little flags that SJM put in because like if you keep going and she decides that she wants to stop you can't just say oh I can't stop because I'm a beast like fuck off like yeah that's not an excuse so I I do think it's it's just a moment to be in this reread to be like huh why did you even say that yeah I never even thought of that yeah (laughs) it's just um But yeah, so like, she's like, yeah, duh. So like, to prove her point, she takes her nightgown off and is like, dude, I'm naked. Like, come on. (laughs) Then she goes for it again. And this is like a bit, this is a, I don't know if I would have the courage to do this. Like the first time you're having sex with someone, she opens her legs. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Can you imagine? I'm assuming lights are on. They have candles. They don't have lights. That's true. It's all candlelight, right? Isn't it? This is... It's very daring. Like, I would never have the guts to do that if I was 19 with, like, a two, three hundred-year-old man and, like, first time (laughs) having sex, first time him, like, touching my vagina and I'm like, woo! Opening... We're open for business. Yeah. It's very... It's also, like, this is a YA book. (laughs) seems wild Uh, maybe also all for female empowerment and i hope that like if there are ya's reading this they feel empowered by this but it also seems wild that it's a ya book yeah anyway it's like i'm here for it like you do you if she is that confident to like just lay it all out there yeah and you gotta think there's natural bush too (laughs) Although the first day she was there, they plucked her, oh, didn't they? True. Oh, was that this book? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was. So, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe they took care of all that. Maybe they take care of it often. I don't know. Anyway, or maybe it's the style. Maybe. Who knows? So we go through phases. We go through phases in life. So I guess she opens her legs for him, which makes him growl like there's the animal side coming out and then he goes to town on her he goes wild he like very obviously he eats her out until she comes the first time then he sheaths himself inside her and surprise surprise she comes again just from penetration of course yeah that's how it happens folks um and then they're done. <laughs> and he goes to leave. And essentially says, like, you're leaving at dawn. You should probably get some sleep. And she's like, no, stay, please. And they cuddle until she falls asleep. And she hears him tell her that he loves her, thorns and all. I guess earlier 
it wasn't really like mentionable, but she mentioned that, you know, she's got thorns. She thinks mm. she's got thorns. Yeah. And like she does. She's a bit stubborn and prickly and like you don't have to be calm and delicate and like reserved all the time. Like you can have emotions. Yes. <laughs> like that is okay. Anyway, um, so the next day she's getting ready to leave and Lucian tells her he thought she was smarter than that. Like smarter than this. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think he's an idiot. Like Lucian saying, oh, I thought you were smarter than this. Like you have no idea what she's thinking in her head. Don't like. No. It just bothers. But we also thought that she was smarter than this too. (laughs) We wouldn't say it to her, but is that any better? (laughs) Yes. You can think something. You just don't say it to their face. I'm sure she's upset. Yeah, for sure. And also, she knows that when Tamlin doesn't get his way, he's a piece of shit. So what's she supposed to do? Yeah. Anyway, he then, like, begs Tamlin to let her stay for a few more days. But Tamlin's like, no, not even. Um, She w- decided that she was going to leave so that Tamlin wouldn't have to, like, defend and protect her. Like, that's that was her reasoning in her head for leaving. She was like... Mm-hmm. I don't want him worried about me. I don't want him to have to protect me. So I'm going to leave so he doesn't have to think about it. Um, She gets in the carriage and Tamlin tells her again that he loves her. And she wants to say it back, but she doesn't. Because he's an immortal and she doesn't think last night meant as much to him as it did for her. And she doesn't want to burden him. Which is like exactly what you said earlier. Of, like, she realizes that she is mortal and she can't really, like, hold up as much space in his life as he would in hers. Yeah. So, like, I do appreciate that she acknowledges this. Yeah. But it's also, like, self-preservation, too, I feel like. Because she's, like... Oh, yeah. If she doesn't say it out loud, then... It's not real. Yeah, and she can move on with her life. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, she just... The carriage leaves and she just didn't say anything. Um, she gone. She gone. And Tamlin puts her in a magic sleep for the whole trip. So again, of course, what he did on the way, he's also doing on the way back. And it's still non-consensual. Uh, yeah. But when she arrives back at the human realm at her family's house, uh, Tamlin has taken care of her family, like he said they he would, and set them up in this huge estate like they were super rich again like even more Mm. rich than they were before yeah um the story that they had been told or the glamour that her family believed was that Feyre had gone to care for an ailing great aunt named Ripley and she had died and that's why Feyre was back and she had great aunt ripley's fortune Mm -hmm. nesta isn't buying it though like nesta seems suspicious yeah um then they believe that like pharaoh sort of asks like well what happened why are we all in this crazy house (laughs) and um elaine sort of explains that their wealth was returned because their ships had been found 
So like the ships have been lost for like what eight years? At least at least yeah. maybe ten. And all of a sudden they've been found. Where have they been for the past ten years? Nobody <laughs> knows. Um, as well, so like on top of the fact that their ships had been found, we know their ships were not found. We know just Tamlin gave them money. Um yeah. a wealthy stranger asked um, I guess their father to invest money for him which earned him a ton of gold yeah so i guess pharaoh settles into the house like she's got a room in the house and everything like that and she's already starts to regret her decision to leave thinking back then to the surreal that creature she captured its only command to her was stay with the High Lord. And she did not stay with <laughs> the High Lord. Nope. However, her father sees her. Like, I guess he was up in his office and then he comes down and sees her. And he's like, we're going to have a ball. Yay. And that is where we end off with Farah getting a ball in her honor to celebrate her return, but being uneasy as fuck that she did not listen to the surreal. Yeah. Always listen to the surreal. Always. Like, always, always, always listen to the surreal. It's like a number one rule. It's true. Anyway. um, So that was probably, like... It wasn't very spicy, but that was probably going to be our spiciest, spiciest week, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I think so. Um, the second book of this series, I think we've said before, gets a lot more spicy. Yes. But. A lot. But um, it's going to ramp up from here in terms of. The storyline, for sure. Yes. Like, so I will say that this is sort of where I was confused. Like, and I think you said it too. Like, this is where you stop reading because you stop caring. I think. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? What is this story? I remember when I first started reading this book, I was surprised at how much book was left after this. Yeah. This sort of feels like, okay, this is the ending this is sort of the like the conclusion for this story and okay there's going to be another book so like we sort of know what's going to happen but mm-hmm. there's like a good like well obviously we have two weeks left of book so that's like yeah. at least like 150 175 pages left of book yeah so and i would argue some of the best parts of the book are left yeah well all of them Maybe all of them. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave that to the interpretation of the reader. Yeah. But yeah, so stick around because we got a lot left. We do. A lot of plot. <laughs> Very true. But uh, that wraps it up for this week. If you do want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in any of our episodes, or if you have any book suggestions, you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com. And be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coffee and Co-Read. Don't forget those tattoo pictures. Yes. Uh, definitely. 
Next week, we're going to be reading chapters 29 to 38 of Akatar. Uh, so make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page. 